All right, folks, welcome to the Shot Fired Podcast. I'm Randy Larimore. And folks, this is a platform about social justice and injustice as well as inequality. And I'll be talking about some hot button issues that you know, have some people at a fever pitch all across America. And as you well know that we live in a culture today that is divided by hatred, lies and conspiracies, anything but the truth. This is the culture that we live in. Okay. But like I said, if you're looking for somebody, just going to give it to you 100, going to give it to you uncut, with no cut on it. <laughs> it's gonna, just going to give it to you straight up. I'm your guy. So if, you li- if you're sensitive to lie, if you're sensitive to the truth, and you're sensitive or you're offended by transparency, maybe this is not the podcast for you. You need to keep it moving. But let me encourage you to start your own podcast and get your own shit out there. Let your voice be heard. And this is just mine. Okay, today I'm going to be speaking about white privilege. That's correct, you heard me, white privilege. And the question is, what exactly is white privilege? Who uses it? Well, that's obvious, isn't it? White people. How is it used? Where does it come from? Well, folks, in order to answer these questions openly and honestly, we must first understand exactly what is white privilege. So that's something we're going to look at today in this today's episode. Um, So let's look at what is exactly white privilege. It is defined as an inherent advantages possessed by a white person on the basis of their race in a society characterized by racial inequality and injustice. Now, that's worth repeating. Let me say that one more time. White privilege is defined as inherent advantages possessed by a white person on the basis of their race in a society characterized by racial inequality and injustice. Folks, it is also defined as a social phenomenon intertwined with race and racism. Did you know that the worldview was purposely created to group a class of people of a low status? Purposely to keep a certain group of people down. Never to be good enough. Because why? They're not white. They're the wrong skin color. Hmm. While at the same time allowing others access to privilege, power, and wealth. In other words, systemic advantage for white people automatically built in to their whiteness. Let me say that again, if I may. A systemic advantage 
for white people automatically built in to their whiteness. Now, folks, don't play with me. I'm keeping it to you one another. Don't play with me. Let's go back in time if we can. Let's go back. Let's look back. Let's go back to about, let's say, the 15th century at least, where we, where we are talking, well, I'm talking about European colonialism. In the 15th century, first, <clears throat> did you know that it was the Europeans that organized slavery from the get-go? The Europeans, starting with Portugal, then the British Empire, and finally the United States of America. Did you know that? Now check this out. 100 and then some. Slavery in the United States could not have existed successfully and continuously without the help and cooperation of the white Christian church. Did you hear what I just said? Are you listening to me? Let me repeat that again. Slavery in the United States of America could not have existed successfully and continually without the help and cooperation of the white Christian church. Hmm. Let that sit in for a moment. Let that resonate with you. Then go back to like, say for example, 1910, approximately 112 years ago, this year, where there was a church group called the National Council of Congressional Churches of the United States of America. They put out a publication, a publication that in essence came up with the earliest terminology and concept of white privilege back in 1910. Are you listening to me? Huh? Now check this out. White privilege is purposely and designed to uphold whiteness in all cost, at all costs. I'm sorry, at all costs. White privilege is purposely designed to uphold whiteness at all costs, even the sacrifice of their own at all costs, to preserve whiteness at all costs. So in essence, white privilege and racism go hand in hand by design. See, this systemic system of hatred and racism and has been perpetrated by the powers to be. I'll say it again. Systemic system of hatred and racism is and has been perpetrated by the powers to be. Now, you might be asking, who in the fuck are the powers to be? Who are these people? Come on. You're intelligent. You're smart. You know what's up. He who has the gold makes the rules. You know this. 
so you know what powers to be that I'm speaking of. The United States government, all three branches of legislation, the banking and lending in institutions, schools, colleges, universities, prep schools, the housing markets, job markets, geographically location, gentrification. All this has been designed to keep their needs on the necks of people of color all across America. That's the ongoing goal. The ultimate purpose is genocide. Did you hear what I said? It's ongoing by the powers to be to keep their need on the necks of people of color all across America. That's an ongoing goal, but the ultimate goal is genocide. It's called systemic racism and white privilege. Hmm. What I will say to white America, you might want to ask yourselves, why do you need so many advantages just to compete with black people? Why? <laughs> and now I'm about to give you some examples of white privilege, known and unknown. Now, it was very imperative that I put the unknown in there. Because if I didn't put the unknown in there, I would be implying that every white privilege opportunity, every white person would know about. So I had to put the unknown in there to be equal and to be fair. Because this, like I said, this is not a picking on one particular person or a group of people. But truth is truth. Period. Now I'm going to give you about, I don't know, six, seven, eight maybe nine or ten examples of white privilege that exist today that most people take for granted except people of color. We don't take that for granted. When you call the police, white people, you call for, you're calling for help. You're calling for support. You're calling, you're calling for unification, separation, all of that. Black people, at one time we wanted to believe that. Because you see on the car door of the police to protect and to serve. We know as black people in the black community that the only thing the police protect is their own interests. Or they protect themselves and serve their own interests. So when we call, no matter what it is, we're calling for somebody, we're calling for a gun. A G-U-N, a gun. Or guns to come out no matter what kind of mild help we could be. A family member in mentally distressed winds up dead. Come on. Are you fucking shitting me, man? This is what we're going to talk about, but I'm going to give you these examples. I'm going to leave that with you. And again, let me say this. This is not to say that white people, some white people have not struggled and not went through hardships and going through that now. This is not also to say 
that white people who are on this planet now never worked hard to get what they want openly, honestly, and respectfully. That's not taking nothing away from either one of them. But we're talking about systemic, nationwide, institutionally wise. You understand? But let me give you the example, and we're going to keep the line moving. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Now, like I said, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to give you 10 examples <coughs> of white privilege. Yet, with, when it comes to white privilege, somehow white people somehow become the authority. Huh? It defaults to the white people. They're the authority on white privilege. Wow. The number one, and these are not in any chronological order, I might ask. I'm talking about white privilege. About 10 examples for 10 examples. Number one, I have or you have the privilege of having a positive relationship with the police. Hmm. That goes without saying. Am I right about that? Am I right about that? Let me say this. And let me read this to you. Sure, the police who patrolled the affluent neighborhood of my youth were inconvenienced to a few keggers, and I maintained that a traffic violation of the late 90s was unfair, was unfair. But I grew up thinking of the police officers as a source of safety. Now, this is a white person talking. If I were ever in danger, I certainly never viewed them as the source of of danger. In 1999, Amadou, Diallo, and the 41 bullets that the police officer in plain clothes discharged at this unarmed black man with no criminal record taught me that not all share this privilege. Diallo was for me what Michael Brown has been to some white people. Too many black and brown people are not safe with the police. Let me say that again. Too many black and white people are not safe with the police. Not even if you are a child. A lesson that Tamar Rice and Desiree Beckton taught me. Not even if you are seeking medical help. A lesson that Jonathan Pharaoh taught me, not even if you call the police for help with your mentally ill son, a lesson that Paul Castaway's mother taught me, not even if your back is turned, a lesson Rakia Boyd and Walter Scott taught me, not even if you tell the police you can't breathe, a lesson Eric Garner taught me, not even if you have your hands up, a lesson Antonio Zambrano Montes and Michael Brown, according to 16 witnesses, taught me, not even if you are safe in the custody of police, 
a lesson that Tanisha Anderson, Natasha McKinney, Freddie Gray, and Sandra Bland taught me. Not even if you plead for help while in custody. A lesson Sarah Lee Circle Bear taught me. These are just a fraction, folks, of my teachers, those whose names that happen to reach the media. Which too often neglect reporting police killings of women of color and other people of color. Of course, I might not have to I might not have learned any of these lessons if not for the efforts of Alisa Garza, Patrice Coolers, and Opel Tometi, the founders of Black Lives Matter movement a movement that is changing white perceptions of racism, racist policing, not to mention our entire political landscape. Number two, as a white person, you have the privilege of being favored by school authorities. Huh? Are you listening to me? Number three, you have the privilege as a white person of attending segregated schools of affluence. Hmm? Number four, <clears throat> you have the privilege of learning about your race in school. I'll say that again. You have the privilege of learning about your race in school. Number five, you have the privilege of finding children's books that overwhelmingly represent your race. Did you know back in 2013 there were 3,200 children's books published? I'll say it again. In 2013, 3,200 books were published about white people. Only 93 books we're about black people. Hmm. In 2013, only 8% of children's books were written by or about people of color, which 92% were about white people. Hmm. Number six, you have the privilege of a white person of soaking in media blatantly biased toward your race. You have the privilege, in other words, you have the privilege of being shown in a positive light and environment, no matter despite what you have done or allegedly have done. Hmm. Number seven, you have the privilege of escaping violent stereotypes associated with your race. That's worth repeating. You have the privilege of escaping violent stereotypes associated with your race. Am I right about that? Number eight, you have the privilege of playing the colorblind card, wiping the slate clean of centuries of racism. You know, that's worth repeating. 
it was up to me. I have every white person in America listening to this once every day. <laughs> but thank goodness it's not up to me, right? Number eight, you have the privilege of playing the colorblind card, wiping the slate clean of senses of racism. And you see what they're doing in critical race theory today in the schools. Number nine, mm, you have the privilege of being insulated from the daily toll of racism. Walking to the store, driving your car, yelling out the window, hitting your horn, jaywalking, and all that minor bullshit. Things that we people of color have to think about and do think about every day. Every waking moment of our lives that we are in public. Number 10, you have the privilege of living ignorant of the dire state of racism today. In other words, you have the privilege of remaining silent. I'll say that again. Number 10, you have the privilege of living ignorant of the dire state of racism today. You could plead the fifth on racism. In other words, hmm. Keeping it 100. Well, folks, that's all the time I have for this episode. I want to thank my listeners for tuning in. Again, my name is Randy Laramore, and this is Shots Fired Podcast. And remember, and we will pick this up on the next episode, which will be episode number two. We'll do part two on white privilege. And remember, folks, again, let me give a shout out to John Greenberg, the writer of this article from Yes Magazine. John Greenberg. Good job, man. Thank you for that. And I'm sharing this on behalf of him. Um, it's something to think about. Until next time, remember, shots have been fired. Folks, I want to apologize. In a previous uh, moment, a few moments ago, I meant to say black and brown people are not safe with the police. I said black and white. So, but I stand, I stand to be corrected. I meant black and brown. Until the next time, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to Shots Fired Podcast. And remember, shots have been fired.